Welcome to the 20th episode of the Think Wildlife podcast. Today we have Dr. Aditi Sharma. She is currently a veterinarian at the Animal Husbandry Department of the Uttarakhand government with vast experience in wildlife translocation. So hi Dr. Aditi, welcome to our podcast. Thanks for your time. It's my pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. So you're a wildlife vet. What motivated you to study this field? Yeah, so actually it's um, somewhere connected with the type of personality i have my nature because uh, since childhood i was very sensitive and emotional and like kind of an empath so i could sense the pain of others and i really wanted something uh, doing something so that i can be a part of healing the pain so as i grew up i realized that uh, for human beings it's not that difficult like they can express their pain and then they have so many medical facilities so many specialized doctors even super specialized doctors but then animals on the contrary they cannot express their pain and even the facilities veterinary facilities though they are improving in india but they are not at par with the medical facilities so that is why i selected that i would be working for the animals so i decided to uh, get that mission in veterinary college what have been some challenges you have faced in this field yeah actually it's unfortunate i'm not very happy to say this but uh, yes of course uh, some challenges are because of the gender inequality also or rather i'll say that maybe our society it has been changing over the years but still they believe that uh, the field work that requires a lot of physical capability physical work is not for the women so uh, i had to face a number of inequalities gender inequalities but otherwise uh, i was fortunate enough that i had a very good team under me so with a very good team if you have a team to work with there's no problem other challenges are about like you have to work in odd hours and when you work in a government system there are a number of limitations you have some rules and regulations to follow like uh, if i talk about the wild animals i have if i have to capture a wild animal i need a number of permissions from the authorized people so it's about the time also it's about the budget also it's about the facilities and it's somewhere about the capacity building because uh, we don't have a regular capacity building programs in india at regular often on we do have but not and a very big challenge was that i did uh, my graduation and post graduation in veterinary sciences but then in the curriculum of the veterinary the bvsc there is not much about the wild animals so i had to study that separately before working for the wild animals that leads to my next question so where do you think uh, india is lacking in terms of wildlife health and wildlife uh, veterinary yeah okay i have to admit that it's still lacking in this though it is improving when i started then the, there was a different situation but now lot many people are working in the wildlife field even the lot of female lady veterinarians are also working in the wildlife field but the thing is like we have first thing is the graduation curriculum which we have the vci through vci which uh, we have doesn't cover much about the wild species 
then we have only a number of colleges veterinary colleges in which we can do the masters in wildlife sciences and then the problem is that we have only few institutes in the name of wildlife management like i can for example i can name wildlife institute of india then center of wildlife studies like these we have four or five centers all throughout india but like we have veterinary colleges that infrastructure we don't have in wildlife veterinary sciences and uh, that is why we find it difficult to build our capacity so uh, there comes a need that we have to go abroad and learn more things the uh, curriculum and then it's lacking in the facilities the number of courses which we have okay so how do you think this field can be improved in india it can be improved actually uh, the problem is that we have veterinarians but somewhere we are divided into different sections like some veterinarians they are working for the breeding so they they consider themselves a separate section some are working in the field so they consider them as field veterinarians then the ones who are teaching who are in academics they consider themselves as scientists so with lot of different sections we are not coming together to improve the improve the facilities for our fraternity so what we need to have is that we with a combined voice we have to say this that first and foremost thing is that we should have a change in the curriculum include much more things about the wildlife species and then we should have a number of more colleges who can provide us further masters or phd in uh, wildlife sciences and more instructors and more capacity building programs maybe like student exchange program between some uh, foreign uh, college veterinary colleges veterinary medicine colleges and a number of uh, programs are there who, uh, which are online in veterinary uh, veterinary wildlife but then hands on is much more required when we talk about the field work so what would your advice be to young people entering field of wildlife veterinary in india okay so um i have a number of uh, i'll not say advice i'm not that big personality but yeah of course whatever i challenges i faced and what i think are the gaps is that change the curriculum okay then we don't have a veterinary separate veterinary cadre in forest department whosoever except one or two states all the veterinary officers who are working in the wildlife they are on deputation either they are on contract or they are on deputation that means for a temporary 5 or 6 years and their parent department is animal husbandry okay then we have to have access student exchange programs with other uh, veterinary medicine colleges uh, abroad this we need to have and then i think there is wildlife institute of india there is center of wildlife studies and uh, a number of many more institutions but somewhere i think we need one specific very specialized at the national level a wildlife uh, college wildlife veterinary sciences college which have a number of different uh, qualified instructors 
with so that we can even in wildlife veterinary services we have a number of different things like we can ha- learn about the capture we can learn about the uh, anesthesia like immobilization we can learn about the human wildlife conflict mitigation so uh, if we have that facility that we can have specialization in wildlife sciences and then super specialization in one of the streams of these things then it would be really good and of course budget allocation because uh, the veterinarians who are working in the forest department they face a lot of challenges uh, on the front of diagnostics we don't have that much of hospitals and diagnostics facilities so we have to struggle in that because some samples you know that they they have their time bound the tests are time bound otherwise the sample would be spoiled so all these challenges we have to face so all these things have to be worked up in different aspects in different fields so uh, you have been certified as a trainer by the ntca for tiger capture and translocation so what is the role of a trainer in these translocations okay actually um role of the trainer it uh, differs by the background of the trainer myself as a veterinarian when i become a trainer from ntca national tiger conservation authority then as a veterinarian my role is that i have to if i am involved in any kind of tiger translocation operation then i have to uh, provide the information about first thing all the rules and regulations and protocols of translocation all the veterinary health interventions proper uh, which are issued by ntca or say czda or any other authorized organization national organization uh, which we have to follow in a case of schedule 1 animals wild animals are divided into different schedules schedule 1 is the first and for, um, top most priority on the basis of priority so and then my role is also that there is there would be a team will be doing the translocation so i would be responsible that when i do the immobilization part the capture part then the whole team is to be instructed what are their roles and regulate what are their roles which they have to play and then uh, one very important thing i want to mention even if they are not veterinarians others are not veterinarian other team members but still they should know that what drug i am using for immobilization and then what is the antidote of that drug and where it is kept and how it is to be administered and how in uh, like how many ml like what should be the dose of antidote because i myself if i uh, accidentally uh, penetrate or the needle and i became the victim of that uh, accidental administration of immobilization drug then someone else else has to give me the antidote so this is also very important thing that they should also know there should be no confusion in the work part which has uh, and different steps i have to explain them then about the uh, cage Uh, the cage which we are using the vehicle which we are using all should be properly according to uh, like size should be proper according to the uh, different uh, guidelines of uh, czda or any other organization which issues these type of guidelines so anything related to veterinary interventions even pre capture during capture and post capture post capture monitoring of health like we are transporting the animal after capturing we have shifted to the uh, cage and we are transporting then also i need to do a thorough scanning before moving whether it's fit to travel or not 
and during transportation also i have to see that the cages should not have any sharp edges or anything which can injure the animal so all those kind of things i have to take care of as a trainer and as a master trainer it's my responsibility that i have to further create much uh, many more trainers for the sport in the country here that's locations what are some health risks for animals before before during and after the translocation okay this is a, actually a very good question and a very important question because uh, the success of your translocation operation depends not only on what resources what techniques you are using it depends on the whole thing what is the whole environment what techniques you are using how capable your team is they have they know do's and don'ts or not they are clear on instructions or not so all these things are very important so pre actually when we have not captured the animal the risk which i think uh, the animal can face is that if i am not able to estimate the weight properly because i am not measuring actually not measuring the exact weight i'm just seeing the animal and guessing the estimating the weight and those would be of course as per the weight of the animal so if in that i'm not capable enough then there would be a health risk for the animal because you know the dose differs with age with sex with the health health condition like if the animal is dehydrated or the animal is very fat or obese uh, if the animal is already compromised all these things if i don't consider properly then of course underdosing or overdosing may be a health risk and during if you are not using a proper technique then also the animal can injure itself and if the uh, it's underdosed maybe like it's partially uh, immobilized then also even us the team members and animal both of them are at risk of injury then during capture when we transport when we shifted to the cage then our stretcher should be proper other things which we are using the net we are using if we are using jab stick for the top of everything has to be perfect it we cannot allow anything which can injure the animal or injure our team members then after capture we have shifted the animal then we have to see whether it's fit fit for the uh, travel or not then is there any pre existing disease is there any uh, are there any apparent wounds or injuries or if i can see any apparent lesions of any disease all those things and then uh, during when uh, like what would be the time duration the travel would take so i depending on that time duration as per the guidelines of animal welfare also we have to stop at various intervals for feeding the animal or uh, giving the water or maybe just because we cannot at a stretch we cannot uh, move the animal uh, uh, like more than a particular kilometers so all these things have to be kept in consideration the immunity level of the animal then a number of infections like if we are not using proper protective gears then we can also transmit some kind of diseases to the animal so risk of infections is also there is not a disease infections risk of wounds is there risk of uh, complications due to drugs is there due to different uh, resources we are using all these uh, health risks are included so it's a very like 
complicated thing but uh, yeah if we do it properly we, if we know the proper um, protocol and we have the proper assets and resources then it's not that difficult i'm moving on to wildlife health uh, in the bigger picture in a more ecosystem uh, outlook so in recent years uh, one particular disease has been plaguing india's wildlife and that is canine distemper disease talk a bit about what this disease is and why it is a threat for a lot of indian carnivores okay canine distemper is actually a viral disease and it's caused by rna virus that is mobley virus and it is important and we are discussing this because it's a disease which can be transmitted from domestic dogs to wild animals as well like for example um uh, a number of cd cases in lions a number of deaths of lions in gujarat and also in serengeti and once in east africa a lot of um, cases were there in which the lions died due to canine distemper virus so that's why we are uh, very much concerned about it and the other thing which makes us much more concerned is that the mortality rate is high uh, we have only symptomatic treatment for that can i understand but we don't have any sure sure treatment which can cure i'm not saying that uh, the animals cannot recover if it's in the beginning phase we get to know we can uh, see identify the symptoms and we start the symptomatic treatment then we of course the animal can recover but once it's uh, in the second or third phase then and the seizures start then it's very difficult it, it it's mostly fatal and the thing is that it involves a it's a multi uh, function disorder a number of uh, our systems uh, the animal body systems are involved like respiratory digestive then uh, brain spinal cord lot of uh, systems are involved we can see the discharges from uh, nose or um, oral and nasal discharges then inflammation of eyes seizures tremors lot of things we can diarrhea vomiting all these so there are it's a very critical kind of uh, disease that is why and but yes there is a vaccine it's not available in india but uh, when there was a need it was imported from outside for the uh, using it uh, on the in the lines so vaccination is there so at least we have a ray of hope that we can control that talk about some ways to prevent the disease in wild pup i've heard that they try to use vaccines for the lions prevention of course always is better than cure and for prevention first and foremost thing is that prophylaxis vaccination is the first thing then once the animal is already suffering from that disease then we have to isolate or confine that animal that particular uh, animal who is suffering from cd should not interact with other healthy animals and if i uh, see on the broader scale then like domestic dogs the stray dogs they should not come in uh, interaction with the wild animals wild canids wild falcons and wild canids and um, on the like boundaries uh, a number of uh, villages are there which are on the boundaries of protected areas like tiger reserves or national parks then there should be a gap there should be not very close contact uh, interaction between them for the transmission of disease so these are some things and isolation and prophylaxis and timely treatment 
I think these three are important factors. Now, Pearson, when the twenty eighteen when there was a big uh, outbreak of CD in the Gear uh, Line population, killing about eighty five individuals, there was a big uh, roar about how having one intact population of a species in in their entire range is not ideal. Can you explain why why is it necessary for there to be multiple populations of a species? Okay, I think I can. So actually, um. You know, concept of inbreeding. So it's never a good idea to have just one isolated population. Genetic diversity is always preferred because uh, you need. Uh, it depends on immunity of the body. There are some uh, genetic gen, some genes responsible for the type of immunity the animal body has. So just think that if the immunity that genes who are responsible for the weak immunity. they are prevailing in the population that is why the population is being uh, affected by that particular disease and that is the only one population then this means uh, all the animals of that particular population are inbreeding mating among themselves only and that recessive gene would be transferred from one animal to another so they will not be able to get rid of that particular recessive gene which is causing the weak immunity and making them prone for the uh, this uh, cd or any other diseases or i can say that a number of diseases together like secondary bacterial infections along with some viral infections so that is why it's always better that we should have different like more than one population at different places who are genetically not varied uh, uh, not uh, very different but yeah they have a close resemblance and inbreeding is never preferred that is why translocation is a good idea at least uh, we can uh, prevent inbreeding but then translocation has uh, its own pros and cons as well on a similar note so you mentioned about how cdvd can spread through feral dogs into wildlife there's also been a lot of concern about the interactions between livestock and plain wild uh, livestock are uh, are a threat to wildlife health okay so if we talk about bun health which we are very much aware of nowadays and it's a very trending concept though it's very quite old like say 2 3 decades back but now after covid we have started a lot talking about the bun health so bun health is you know it includes the health of plants animals environment humans everything so this means that there is always a connection between all these different entities if the livestock is not healthy then when they closely interact with the human beings then of course they would transmit disease from livestock to humans or from humans to livestock zoonotic disease transmission this is one very important thing then uh i have seen in number of tiger reserves in national parks that the domestic the livestock and the wild animals they are grazing together in they are using the common resources for water they are using common resources like uh, for grasslands and all so it's very high chances that they can transmit diseases from one to another and humans are also 
living inside the forest so a very close interaction is there interface is very very common human uh, wildlife interfaces very common so some diseases like tuberculosis for example or maybe you can uh, uh, take the example of cd also which we were talking about so if we have any kind of interaction close interaction between humans and livestock or the wild animals then there would be transmission of zoonotic diseases and all these things will what what happens actually when we uh, some diseases are there that they in their natural host they are not that harmful but when they are transmitted to some unnatural host then they flare up and they exhibit itself so all these things this is all what we are seeing nowadays in the world this is what is happening because population of humans and population of animals both are increasing in surplus in regard to the resources so we are exploiting over exploiting the resources and using the common resources that is why all these climate change all these pandemics and all these things are uh, like a degradation of the habitat all these things are happening and all these things are linked together so it's very important this point while talking about this last point you mentioned about the one health program could you just elaborate a bit on that yeah of course um actually it all started in the historical uh, days only uh, when the civilization started then also you know that the humans were never living alone they were always with the animals whatever may be the reason either that they domesticated the animals or they kept the animals for the sake of hunting they helped them in hunting all those things but they were never alone so we have a very um, strong bond between animals and human beings that we know then we include the environment also because environment is ultimately where we are living in the air which we are using the water which we are using all these if the quality of the air is not good if the health of the water is not good then all these things affect us like if um, there in corona also for example the latest example the corona virus was being released into air and it was alive for a particular duration of time so even if two people healthy and unhealthy are not together but then also one person unhealthy person sneezes and passes away and the other healthy person passes that particular point after a particular time duration then also it's in the air and it, the other healthy person would contract the disease so all these things are interrelated we cannot uh, address only one entity to for the uh, health and well-being of all if we will not uh, stay together if we will not collaborate to work because uh, the diseases which are from animal origin say wild wildlife origin but we are treating only the humans who are suffering from the disease and we don't know the original source we from where it is coming and we keep on addressing the humans and we are not addressing the actual original place from where that disease is originating so it will not work that is why we all have to have that at least uh, a little idea a brief idea about one health and that is why we talk about multidisciplinary working nowadays 
all the streams working together the veterinarians the humans the like the medicos the veterinarians ecologists environmentalists then anthropologists all these the social workers all all of them working together for one health for achieving that sustainable development goal of uh, health and well-being of all or we can uh, a number of terms are being used planetary health ecosystem health one health one medicine one bird all these uh, things are being used so that is the latest thing which we it's also related with the climate change climate crisis is also coming out of that that is also affecting so that is why it's very important that everyone should at least have an idea about the one health concept that was my final question for the interview thank you so much for your time it was a pleasure having you on the episode thank you so much it was a pleasure talking to you